This is Mission Control, Houston. Ignition sequence start. I've been preparing for this all my life. Here's Porter on hard and taking him to school. What a great play by Jay Shante. KJ Martin climbed Bobon Mountain. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. And you've seen tonight that we, we fought together, we stayed together, and it's about damn time, man. Six, five, four, three, two, one. NBA Draft 2021 has just concluded, and guess what? We are already on the eve of NBA free agency. What is up? Welcome to another episode of Locked on Rockets, the best and only daily podcast covering your Houston Rockets. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and partner at Apollo Media. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin, the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets, as well as at Apollo HOU. If you enjoy what we do here at Locked on Rockets, hit the subscribe button at our brand new YouTube channel, Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever you listen to your podcast, we would sincerely appreciate it. So much news to go over because we had the NBA draft and then reacted to it and then we hit the weekend and now we're back on a Monday and there has been a lot of movement going on. So I do want to say we're going to get into kind of evaluating and focusing on the draft picks that the Rockets made, the selections, Jalen Green. Alperin Shingun, Usman Garuba, and Josh Christopher. In fact, I've got an episode coming up a little bit later this week with in-house draft expert Raphael Barlow, where we're going to break down uh, the latter three of those guys because we've spent a lot of time focusing on Jalen Green leading up to the draft. So we're going to focus on those uh, the other three picks the Rockets made a little bit later this week, as well as just individually kind of diving into each one of these guys and really what they bring to the table. But for today's episode... I want to get us all caught up on all the news that has been hitting us uh, with this like 24-7 news cycle over the weekend uh, in the NBA because it's just such a short turnaround from the NBA draft into what is now free agency. And even though the Rockets aren't necessarily going to be big big time players in free agency, they do have a little bit of stuff to work with. So I want to revisit the roster, want to revisit where they're at, you know, with their finances, um, you know, what moves they could possibly make, what rumors have been out there, all that stuff. But I do want to hammer home one point here on the top, and that is, and this is a point that we've kind of made throughout the season, uh, you know, up until the draft, and it's to just revisit for one final time. I I can't say one final time because I feel like we're probably going to have chances where we're going to want to revisit it, but the whole James Harden trade, right, and what brought the Rockets to this point where they were able to have the number two overall pick, where they were able to trade for the number 16 in draft Alper and Shingun, what gave them, you know, the opportunities at 23-24. Those were all direct results of the James Harden trade, but especially the fact that they landed number two, because had they brought back, you know, the 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 Nets package of Jared Allen, Karis Levert, uh, Torian Prince, whatever, they probably would have been too competitive to land at number two overall in this year's draft. That's just that's just facts. Or even if they had even if they had traded for the Ben Simmons package, which LOL, now Ben Simmons is getting shopped around, and there was even a slight rumor of Ben Simmons for John Wall floating around the other day, and that was just kind of a head scratcher. Um, Daryl Morey's getting desperate over there, but legitimately, these these other pathways out of the Harden trade, which again, Rafael Stone, the Houston front office, Houston fans were getting flamed for the quality of return in this James Harden trade. And now, coming out of this draft, the Rockets are 
I think the clear winners of this draft, you may make an argument for the Hornets who had a really strong draft as well, but the Rockets are probably clear winners coming out of this draft. And that is, again, a direct result of the James Harden trade of the fact that they did not bring back Karis LeVert, Jared Allen, whoever, guys that would have raised the floor of this team to such a level that they would not have been able to successfully bottom out the way that they did. And again, that wasn't the goal either. The Rockets did want to be competitive, but they felt that Victor Oladipo gave them the best shot with this with that current makeup of guys to be competitive that season. And then when things did not work out with Oladipo, they pivoted which was great. They they flipped Oladipo to the to the Heat. They got him to the team that he wanted to go to. He wound up getting shut down for the season. The Rockets wound up having, you know, more injuries, more revolving door of players, all this stuff. And guess what? They finished with the worst record in the NBA and they managed to snag the number 2 overall pick. So all of that is a direct result of the James Harden trade and so you have to count that in the return of the James Harden trade. So now not only is it the four pick swaps and three for you know four swaps, three first round draft picks moving forward from the Nets, it's also all the direct results of, you know, this season and how the Rocks were able to bottom out and the draft picks that they were able to make because of that. So I just wanted to hammer home that point on the top before diving into specific like the 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 names that are still on the roster, the names that have departed all that good stuff. And we're going to get there in just a moment after a quick message from my friends over at Built Bar. Because look, Built Bar, best protein bar in the market. They don't even, like, I have three boxes of them sitting right over there on my counter. And the reason why is because they're protein bars that taste like candy bars, right? They've got so many delicious flavors, raspberry, coconut brownie chunk, which is my favorite, mint chocolate brownie, strawberry, salted caramel. Can't go wrong with any of the flavors on their menu. Every single bar, low cal, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. Great if you're on a keto diet. Great if you're trying to lose weight. Maybe you're just trying to maintain weight, right? Trying to stay where you're at. Visit BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your very next order. Again, that's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Now, I do want to get into the free agency discussion in segment three because there are a couple names that are currently being tied to the Rockets, as well as the big free agency story, the big domino that has to fall, which is Kyle Lowry and how that also may or may not impact the Houston Rockets. So we're going to get there in segment three, but I want to spend this segment focusing on the current state of the Rockets salary cap, who they do have on their roster, who's coming, who's going all of that stuff. So let's start this thing off. Um, first off, they have declined to extend a qualifying offer to DJ Wilson. Now, DJ was a guy that I thought, you know, had some moments where he looked all right, but, you know, considering what his uh, qualifying offer would have been somewhere in that, I think it's like $6 million range, um, just not worth it for the Rockets based on where they're at with their cap situation. And there's such a limited number of roster spots anyways, not to mention you bring in uh, Garuba and Shingun as two, you know, big, big man prospects. There's just not a lot of runtime for DJ Wilson. So understandably, the Rockets have not extended him a qualifying offer, making him an unrestricted free agent. Doubtful that he returns as a Houston Rocket. Next up, Avery Bradley, my best friend, Avery Bradley. Um, <laughs> The Rockets have declined his team option, um, so Avery Bradley will not be back 
uh, or well, I shouldn't say not be back, but he will not return on that option more than likely will not return to the Houston Rockets. So farewell assistant to the tank commander, Avery Bradley. Thank you for all of your efforts in securing the number two overall pick for the Houston Rockets. Uh, when Jalen green eventually leads the Rockets to a championship, I want Avery Bradley to receive a ring. So that's those two guys. Um, the Rockets have, have extended quali qualifying offers to both Armani Brooks and Anthony Lamb. Uh, those qualifying offers, because those two guys were on two-way contracts, are just very minuscule. It's like 50K a piece uh, for each of them. So the cap holds are almost negligible for both of those guys. Uh, but it makes them restricted free agents. So if another team decides to trot along and try to offer either of those two guys an NBA caliber deal, the Rockets have the ability to match it. Armani Brooks is still a guy that I'm very interested in the Rockets potentially retaining. Um, I've talked about it before. I think I, I, I truly believe Armani is an NBA caliber player. I just don't know if there's a space for him here on this Rockets roster with so many guards ahead of him in the potential rotation. Um, maybe if John Wall and Eric Gordon just, you know, were like Thanos snapped out of existence, um, then there'd be a spot for Armani on this roster because shooting is, you know, shooting is a commodity in the NBA and this Rockets team does not have enough of it. But that being said, I would not be surprised to see another NBA team offer him a quality contract. And I wouldn't expect him to stay on this team if all he's going to get is another two-way offer from the Rockets. So there's that. Um, next up, we have... Uh, who do we have? Where am I looking at on the sheet? There we go. Um, we have uh, Jay Sean Tate's brother, Jalen Tate, being brought in for a summer league deal. So that's pretty exciting to see Jalen Tate being brought in. Uh, he averaged 11 points, 3.8 assists, and 3.8 rebounds in just under 30 minutes per game with the Razorbacks. He's a six foot six guard, um, slightly different build than Jay Sean, not quite as like. I don't know. He's not built like a linebacker like Jay Sean Tate is, um, you know, a little bit more wiry in his build, but still very much uh, defensive minded, defensive oriented. So that'll be great to see, you know, what he's able to do in summer league. I highly doubt that Jay Sean Tate actually plays in summer league with him. Uh, I believe it was where did I read this the other day? I'm blanking on where I read it, but uh, I think it was it was some commentary from Rafael Stone, I believe, unless I'm misaggregating this but oh well uh i don't think any of the rocket starters are going to participate in summer league so i don't think we're going to see kpj i don't think we're going to see jay sean tate uh john wall obviously not uh christian wood probably not i think kj martin is probably a safe bet i think Kyrie thomas is a safe bet armani brooks definitely a safe bet um but guys who kind of know that their spot is locked in are probably safe. Uh, I do think I do think we're going to see Kevin Porter Jr. and like Jay Sean Tate there in Vegas, especially with Jalen Tate playing and KPJ just wanting to support his guys. We're also more than likely going to obviously see Jalen Green, Josh Christopher, Shingoon, uh, Garuba, like you know, all those guys are probably going to be participating. Uh, but not so much some of the slightly more established younger guys on the roster with that being said. Uh, another name to look out for, the Rockets are signing uh, Duke forward Matthew Hurt to a two-way deal. So Matthew Hurt, uh, six foot nine forward, 235 pounds, uh, averaged 18.3 points on 55% shooting, 6.2 boards in about 33 minutes per game last season. So he'll be on the Rockets summer league team. Uh, interesting because he adds a little bit more size to that Rockets front court. Um, I do think that the Rockets did a good job 
adding, I apologize. The Rockets did a good job adding to their actual front court. The wings is where they are lacking some significant size um, because Shingun is not a wing player. Uh, Garuba is not a wing player. Those are bigs. Uh, Wood is not a wing player. He's a big. Uh, the Rockets legitimately, the only wings that they currently have on their roster are Daniel House, you know, six foot six, maybe six foot seven on a good day. Uh, Jay Sean Tate, six foot five. And then uh, who am I blanking on? Why am I blanking on the last guy? KJ Martin, six foot six, right? So the Rockets don't have a whole lot of size and length on the wings. They've got some incredible athletes over there. Absolutely. All three of those guys are, you could argue behind Jalen Green now, those three guys are probably the most athletic guys on the roster. Um, so, I mean, the Rockets do have some athleticism on the wings, but they don't have necessarily a lot of size. So bringing in, you know, a six foot nine guy, you know, quality shooter, uh, just to see how he does in summer camp, I'm totally down with it. I like the signing. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what he's actually able to do in summer league. And uh, I said summer camp earlier, summer league uh, preceding summer camp. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see what he's able to take care of and, and accomplish in summer league. Uh, those summer league games are going to be great. So four games that the Rockets have slated right now. Uh, and I'm super stoked for that summer league schedule. I'm going to be there for the back two of them, uh, which is going to be all kinds of exciting. But that brings us currently the Rockets roster to dive into the actual like the, the numbers side of things now and kind of to preface what may or may not be able to be accomplished in actual free agency. Because again, the Rockets aren't gigantic players in free agency. They don't have an abundance of cap space just floating around because they had to sign all of their first round draft picks, which ate up a chunk of what what could have been their available cap space had they just you know up and renounced all the rights to all their different guys. Uh, we'll also talk about Kelly Olynyk and and what's going on with him in segment three. But where it stands right now, the Rockets have currently thirteen of their fifteen roster slots committed. So I'll go down the list. With their with their salaries as well, so John Wall forty four million, Eric Gordon eighteen million, Christian Wood thirteen point six million, Jalen Green just under nine million, DJ Augustine seven million, Daniel House just under four million, Alperin Shingun three point two million, Usman Garuba two point three million, Josh Christopher two point two million, Kyrie Thomas one point seven million. However, his contract is non guaranteed, so that provides an interesting wrinkle there. Kevin Porter Jr., 1.7 million. Jay Sean Tate, 1.5 million. KJ Martin, 1.5 million. They've got two roster spots left, spots 14 and 15 left to play around with. And why I say the Kyrie Thomas spot is interesting is his contract is not guaranteed. So if the Rockets feel like they can either sign somebody in free agency or make a trade and they need one of those roster spots open, Kyrie's spot is not guaranteed. Yes, he absolutely impressed at the tail end of last season. That's why the Rockets, you know, threw him threw him a bone and gave him the the three year deal, locked him down. But it's a non guaranteed deal. So if Kyrie has a rough looking summer league or doesn't impress in the early part of this next season, there's a part of me that definitely thinks he could be on the way out to make space either for another signing or to facilitate a trade where maybe the Rockets are taking back taking back more players than they are sending out. So even though Kyrie is under contract for three years, it is not a guarantee that he stays a Houston Rocket. Um, so I just want to throw that out there as a quick wrinkle disclaimer on that. Now, what that means for the Rockets, as far as their financials go, they have full access to their MLE. Um, they are currently 
only 1.9 million below the salary cap. So that's all they have to play with, uh, with those 13 guys locked down. And if they renounce the rights to everybody else, which means uh, Dante Exum, who's not coming back, uh, Kelly Olenek, who is testing the free agency waters, uh, DJ Wilson already spoke about him uh, and his qualifying offer situation, Avery Bradley not coming back. David Nwaba remains interesting because they have early bird rights on David Nwaba because they signed or because they brought in David, David Nwaba and they had him under contract for two years means that they have early bird rights on him. So they can go up to, it's around like, it's a little over the medium income salary level for the NBA. It's somewhere around like nine to 10 million. It's slightly more than the non-taxpayer MLE that they could offer David Nwaba as an early bird exception deal, uh, which is significantly more than he's probably going to get on the open market. I highly doubt anybody's going to throw the non-taxpayer MLE at David Nwaba or even, for that matter, eat up a chunk of open cap space to sign David Nwaba. Um, and then uh, Armani Brooks and Anthony Lamb, we already spoke about the qualifying offers being extended to both of those guys. But with that, the Rockets are currently about just under $2 million below the actual uh, the actual cap threshold uh they have about just under 26 million in space to go before they hit the luxury tax threshold uh so there's not really a worry they they definitely can play around with both their non-taxpayer mle which again clocks in at about 9.5 million uh and then they also have access to the biannual exception uh so the bay exception uh around 3.7 million and so even if they utilize both of those exceptions, they're not going to come anywhere close to paying the luxury tax this season. Um, and, and let's face it, they're, they're not going to be paying the luxury tax for a while for a rebuilding team. doesn't make sense to pay the luxury tax for a rebuilding team, so why would you? Um, so they do have some options with that MLE. They do have some options with the biannual exception as well. Uh, and I want to focus on those here in just a second. Uh, talking about the the rest of free agency and kind of what that looks like and how it may or may not impact the Houston Rockets. We're going to get there after a quick message from our friends over at betonline.ag because BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. You've got baseball season in full swing. You've got UFC, MMA, you name it, they've got it over at BetOnline. So before the next pitch, before the next action starts, head over to BetOnline. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. It's time for you to be able to get in on the action. You can do that using promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Again, that's promo code locked on for a 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. And final segment here at Locked On Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every single day. Before getting into the open, you know, the 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 wide ranging I'm just scooting my keyboard back here um before we get into the you know open season you know just everything that is free agency because there's been a whirlwind of stuff going on um let's talk a little bit about Kelly Olynyk. Uh, apparently the Detroit Pistons uh are reportedly showing signs of interest in Kelly Olynyk, which is just I mean kind of a head scratcher because it feels like the Pistons have done you know everything right so far and you know with drafting Cade Cunningham, and I, I don't know. It doesn't make sense. It feels like they're maybe jumping the gun on wanting to be competitive right away. Uh, but more power to him if the Pistons decide to sign Olenek and he goes and thrives over there. Cool. Uh, it, you know, for the Rockets, I would, 
I would have liked to see Kelly Olenek back, and I don't want to completely write off the possibility of him being back as a Rocket, but you look at what their front court is currently comprised of with Christian Wood, uh, Alperen Shingun, and Usman Garuba. One, I'm going to say that I would be shocked to see either of those two bigs starting alongside Christian Wood to start the season. I don't think that's going to be the case. I think the Rockets are definitely going to be targeting a slightly more veteran, more experienced big to start the season with Christian Wood, which is why we discussed Daniel Tice previously. Um, there's, There's strong rumors and reports suggesting that Daniel Tice and the Houston Rockets are more than likely going to come to an agreement. Uh, I li- I like Tice's fit alongside Christian Wood. He's a guy who can you know do the dirty work, can guard some of the you know the bigger bigs. Uh, you know he's he's a little bit smaller than Christian Wood, but he's just he's got the right you know skill set defensively. Uh, you know he's he's gritty, works hard, does you know rebounds well. Like I mean, there's there's no shortage to the things that Daniel Tice does. He spaces the floor offensively. He's an underrated passer. I mean. There's a lot of stuff that he brings to the table, and I think that when you're looking at a potential veteran to bring in to kind of corral, to kind of teach and mentor the this group of younger bigs, because even though Christian Wood finally had a you know his first year as the alpha, you know started you know every game that he played and all that stuff, right? He is still just 25 years old. He still basically only had his first campaign where he got you know sizable minutes consistently throughout the season. He still needs a veteran presence to kind of help him along the way. So for all three of those guys, for Wood, for Shingun, and for Garuba, I would love to see Daniel Tice step into that role. And again, Tice is going to be a much cheaper option than Kelly Olenek would be. You know, Olenek, I'm expecting to command somewhere around... Uh, 15 to 18 million on the open market. Um, and, you know, there was that there, we've had talks here about potentially giving Kelly Olenek like a one year, you know, balloon payment where you pay him, you know, an exorbitant amount, you know, 20 million plus just to stay on for one more year. That means, you know, Kelly gets a payday and then the Rockets are able to kind of maintain future cap flexibility as well. And I think that option is, is, increasingly becoming more and more unlikely. I think that, you know, if you're an athlete and you have the opportunity to secure long-term money, you know, more years, you know, more money over more years, you're more than likely going to do that. Kelly, he's 30 years old. Um, You know, he's proven himself in this back half of the season with the Rockets. He put up some insane numbers. He's going to be an attractive, you know, free agent on the free agent marketplace. So I think he's going to easily get the 15 to 18 a year, um, over multiple years, probably three, four year long deal. And he's going to be content with that wherever he goes. And I doubt the Rockets are comfortable offering him that amount of money when they are not 100% sure how he fits into their timeline. Again, his role would simply just be a veteran presence to help kind of guide and teach this younger core of bigs. Whereas I think with a guy like Daniel Tice, you can probably get away offering him maybe like a two year deal uh, on the MLE or, you know, somewhere or somewhere around that, you know, just give him the full MLE for two, maybe three years tops, uh, provides some flexibility in there. And it's a much smaller deal overall, a much more movable deal. And Daniel Tice is easily a guy who, if the Rockets decide that they need to move on from his contract to open up some cap space down the line, one, it's about half the deal of what Kelly's would be. And then two, uh, he he's an easy commodity to move, right? Daniel Tice is easily somebody that you know a team would love to have on their team, either as a starting caliber big at the four or five spot, 
or bringing them off the bench, you know, as as a you know seventh or eighth man in a rotation for a team that is you know truly aspiring to you know make the playoffs or make a significant push. He's a quality level player. Um, that being said. I don't know if there's any other teams. I haven't seen any reports of other teams that are, you know, actively pursuing Daniel Tice uh, that might make a play for him. He is a a quality player, so there might be, you know, an actual playoff team or two in contention that might be looking to shore up their front line. And it wouldn't surprise me if Daniel Tice picked them over the rebuilding Houston Rockets. So that being said, there are two other names that are interesting uh, names for the Houston Rockets to pay attention to here: uh, Justice Winslow. And Zach Collins, both listed as potential free agency targets for the Houston Rockets, reported on by Jonathan Fagan. Uh, So Fagan saying uh, specifically, the Rockets are likely to look for players that fit with Christian Wood, Kevin Porter Jr., and Jalen Green, which could mean chasing a more defensive-minded front court player that either might fit well, such as Bulls center Daniel Tice. So here's the Tice report. not only have we had the previous reports about Daniel Tice, but now we've got Fagan reporting on Daniel Tice. And then Orr has room to improve while bringing defensive strengths, such as the Grizzlies' Justice Winslow, or some combination of both, as with the Trailblazers' Zach Collins. So Winslow and Collins, two interesting names to throw out there. Um, I am not 100% sure. I mean, Winslow had, you know, has had a couple down seasons. Um, I didn't have, I don't know, I have his basketball reference pulled up. Oh, well, I should have done that. I'm the worst of my million tabs. Didn't have that one pulled up. Winslow's an interesting guy and he's a Houston guy, right? So I wouldn't mind taking a, taking a flyer on justice Winslow. I wouldn't necessarily feel comfortable extending the full MLE to justice Winslow. Um, I definitely think that he could be a target for the biannual exception. If he's willing to accept it. I don't know if there's another team again, that's going to be out there willing to offer him more than that. Um, but he he remains an interesting kind of like, okay, let's bring him in. He's got some talent. Um, let's see if we can, you know, work out the kinks in his game, see if we can get him back on track. And again, Houston guy playing for a Houston team, like it, it all kind of makes sense, right? Might as well, might as well t- team him up with Daniel House Jr. and DJ Augustine, just keep on bringing them all back. And then while we're at it, bring back Gerald Green. No, I'm kidding. But legitimately, I, I wouldn't mind the Justice Winslow signing. Um, Zach Collins remains another interesting option. I doubt they bring in like multiple bigs. So like if they go the Daniel Tice route, I don't think they're also going to go Zach Collins because my understanding or my belief for how they're going to approach this next season. First off, wouldn't shock me if Shingun and or Garuba spent a little bit of time at the G League level. Um, They've shown the Rockets have shown that they feel very comfortable sending their players down to the G League, down to the Vipers to get reps down there and, you know, better prepare themselves to compete at the NBA level. And we saw that work out beautifully with Kevin Porter Jr. and with KJ Martin this past season. So would not shock me to see either of those two guys or even Josh Christopher as well spend some time at the G League level before being brought back up and folded into the rotation in the latter half of this upcoming season. So there's that. So whoever they do bring in as you know a potential big to shore up the front court, because I'm, I'm fully convinced they are bringing in somebody, Uh, be it, again, potentially bringing Kelly back, Daniel Tice, Zach Collins, whoever it may be, they're going to bring in somebody who's going to be the de facto starter next to Christian Wood at that 4-5 spot. And then as the season progresses and as development progresses with Shingun and with Garuba, one of those two guys may take over that starting role next to Christian Wood, depending on how their development progress has, you know, progressed. God, redundancy. Okay, 
Anyways, that's my point. That's kind of my vision, right? Is if they play well enough and if they develop quickly enough, then they'll take over that starting spot. And then whoever was brought in to be the starter next to Christian Wood gets, you know, moved into more of a reserve bench role where, again, they're still fulfilling that veteran presence. They're still teaching, they're mentoring. But that's the understood role that this person's being brought in for. You know, if they're bringing in Daniel Tice, Tice is going to have to know that this isn't a long-term starting position next to Christian Wood. This is a role where, hey, he's holding down the fort until one of Shingun or Garuba developed quickly enough to match up and play alongside Christian Wood in the starting lineup because that is the future of the team, and that is how this rebuilding process is going to go. You need a steady mix of the vets and of the young guys. And unfortunately, it'd be nice if they didn't have so much uh, veteran presence at the guard spot so that we could actually get a starting backcourt of Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green. But that does bring us to the other little tidbit here of free agency, which is... Kyle Lowry, the big domino to fall. And right now, all signs are pointing towards a Kyle Lowry sign-in trade to the Miami Heat. And what that means is there's a few teams that are in kind of the, that are, were kind of vying for the Kyle Lowry sweepstakes, the Dallas Mavericks, the New Orleans Pelicans, who are trying to right that ship before Zion says, trade me. And then the LA Clippers. The Clippers in a puzzling spot because Kawhi Leonard is probably going to miss a major chunk, if not all of next season. The Pelicans, again, because they've got a frustrated Zion who's going to be on his third coach in three years. And then they've got the Mavericks with Luka Doncic, who has had some disappointing playoff you know, experiences so far. Uh, relationship with Kristaps Porzingis, potentially a little shaky there. The Mavericks are trying to right their wrongs and trying to make sure that they keep Luka happy. And they need a secondary playmaker next to Luka. All three of these teams present an interesting uh, opportunity for the Houston Rockets because, first off, Kyle Lowry is the sweepstakes, right? John Wall is the consolation prize. If you're if you're looking around the NBA at potential fits for teams, and again, I want to hammer this point home. John Wall is not a bad player. He's not. He's a player whose usage rating was incredibly too high on a bad team who had too much hero ball in his system, who was not playing any sort of motivated basketball in the back half of the season because the Rockets were clearly not contending for anything, not competing for anything. So he was just out there, arguably sometimes half-assing it, just trying to you know maybe get his. But where he's at and the stretches where we saw him play motivated and committed and able to facilitate and delegate to others, really honing in on what he's good at, being a defensive-minded player, being a floor general, getting others involved. He's very much still capable of that role. And seeing him in that role on another team would be incredible because, again, the Rockets are not going to be competing for I, – I don't, I don't think they're going to be competing for anything next season. It's going to be the first year of a major rebuild with four rookies being brought in. They're going to be focused on developing and cohesion and getting these rookies up to speed at the NBA level, right? I – if you're sitting here thinking the Rockets are going to be fighting for a play-in spot, I really want you to tamper your expectations just a little bit. I think the Rockets are probably going to be a bottom 10 team next season. They're going to have some exciting moments. They're going to have some really exciting games, and it's going to be really fun watching this core of you know young guys develop together. That's going to be the fun of next season, but I would not pin your hopes on them competing for a play-in spot next year. I don't think it happens, and I think that of these three teams, the Mavericks, the Pelicans, and the Clippers, all three present an interesting interesting trade, possible trade destinations for John Wall. The Clippers, we've already been over before. The Clippers have the right amount of contracts to be able to ship out guys who are 
expendable in their rotation to bring in John Wall to kind of help hold down the fort alongside Paul George for this upcoming season. And even though Kawhi, so Kawhi Leonard's opted out of his contract. That's the big news. But every expectation is for Kawhi Leonard to re-sign with the Clippers. There's, I don't see any reason why he wouldn't re-sign. There's not a better opportunity out there with another team, and he's going to get more money, more years with the Clippers, so he's going to re-sign, and he's going to spend this first year rehabbing anyways. So I, I don't see Kawhi Leonard going anywhere else. So you bring in Paul, you bring in John Wall, if you're the Clippers, to help kind of anchor and buoy the team with Paul George in the absence of Kawhi Leonard. And then when Kawhi comes back, you have a big three of Kawhi, PG, and John Wall, who you've got to somehow compete with what is going to become the new big three right down the hall in LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Russell Westbrook. So the fit is questionable there on that big three, so why not have another slightly questionable fit with John Wall, Kawhi Leonard, and Paul George, who arguably, I think, has a better overall fit because you've got Paul George, who is more than capable of being a, I, I think, a arguably better floor general than Russell Westbrook at times because Westbrook is more so focused on the scoring side of things. That said, Pelicans are another option, right? Maybe the Pels get a little desperate and they really want to show Zion that they are committed to trying to win. And John Wall is a proven veteran point guard who can help lead the Pelicans to at least maybe a play-in push because they got to do something to keep, to appease Zion and his camp and his family and all this, right? Because otherwise, he's going to ask out. And then lastly, and this is the one that's complete pipe dream, is potentially John Wall to the Dallas Mavericks. I highly doubt that one happens just because I don't see the Mavericks and Rockets consummating a trade, uh, interdivisional rivals, but that one, that rivalry runs a little deep. Um, and I don't exactly see Cuban wanting to help the Rockets uh, by moving off of John Wall's contract and putting them in a better position to be big-time players in the 2023 free agency uh summer free agency should say uh, by moving off of John Wall's contract. So yeah, as long as the, look, as long as the Rockets don't take back, you know, long-term money for John Wall, you know, locking themselves into, uh, you know, future, yeah, future long-term money. That's the words that I wanted. There we go. Um, I'm cool with consummating a John Wall trade with moving him. Uh, but at this point, it's also kind of like, just keep him right. I mean, the Rockets have done this song and dance where they moved the Chris Paul deal for Russell Westbrook. Then they moved the Westbrook deal for John Wall. Now they've got John Wall. I just, what I don't want to see is them trade John Wall for, you know, some somebody that, again, is going to lock them down uh, with long-term future money to where they can't be players in free agency because now they're at this perfect point in the rebuild where they've got so many youthful projects, so many young guys on the roster who are going to be on team-friendly deals where so many of these guys are probably going to start outplaying their contracts within the first you know, year or two of their deals. And then they've got them still on the team friendly contracts for the final two years of their rookie deals that the Rockets have to make a splash and utilize the cap room that they have available before the paydays kick in for all these guys, right? They're going to have to revisit Christian Wood in two seasons and figure out if they're going to be willing to pay him or if they need to deal him before his contract is up. Jay Sean Tate, same thing. Is it worth paying Jay Sean Tate to stay on the team depending on what he's going to command on the open market? Or do you try to move Jay Sean Tate before he hits the free agency market, you know, after his two years is up? I personally think Jay Sean Tate's the one that is more than likely to stay as a like super role player. I think Christian Wood, 
might hit a point where his production is still really good, but he's not exactly worth the maximum amount of money that he can make on the open NBA market, which is why I think he's more of a likely trade target for the Rockets either at this upcoming deadline or next summer. That's also why I wasn't a proponent of trading him this past summer because I feel like he's still got one more gear to like you know shift into. And I think he's got like a little bit more left in his ceiling to tap into. And once he hits that point and kind of peaks, then that's when you're like, okay, this is what he's doing. This is his, you know, he's at the height of his trade value. Let's see what we might be able to potentially get back from him. Let's field some calls. Let's make some calls and see what we might be able to get back from before having to hit him with a substantial payday uh, in the summer of 20, 2023. There we go. Uh, but with that, that is kind of the primer going into free agency for the Houston Rockets. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, free agency officially kicks off with no tampering uh, at 6 p.m. Eastern time uh, Monday evening. So it'll be fun to see all the Woj bombs, all the Shams scoops, uh, whatever those are, uh, blowing up all at the same time Monday night. And of course, we'll have all the breakdowns where everybody goes, not just for the Houston Rockets, but you know all the other breakdowns for what happens with all the other teams right here at Locked on Rockets. But as always, Thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back right here for the very next episode of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.